Ladies, gentlemen, geeks of all ages, you are now entering BJ Shea's Geek Nation. Welcome. Yes, welcome to BJ Shea's Geek Nation. I am the Reverend Enfuego. Across from me is Vicky Barcelona. Hello. Hello. The show's namesake, BJ Shea, he's here. Hey, I know that guy. I would hope so. And running right. the boards is Joey D's. I think you might know him too. Wow. Oh, it's Wednesday. Yeah, you might know him. <laughs> On today's show, BGL Talk Comics. We will talk about the book of Boba Fett, which is um, a little fetless on this one. BJ will give us some board game reviews. We'll yeah. talk about a TV show on Netflix. And, Woo! of course, the Geek Sheet with Vicky B. Vicky, how can people get a hold of us? Get a hold of us via our website, bjgeeknations.com. Can have our blogs, podcasts, and more. More. Or just search PJ Shay's Geek Nation on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, iTunes, and the Odyssey app. Yeah. Bye, bye. And if you don't know how to spell Odyssey, because we spell it a little differently, it's A U D A C Y. So you can look all of that up. And we used to have the old radio.com mm-hmm. uh, app, but that's changed. So you just look for that and you can find us on uh, your smart device. It's Odyssey, not Audacity. Truth. But there's a little thing, there's a little audaciousness in uh, what we do. <laughs> now let's get right into talking about comic books because it is comic book day. So if you didn't know that, most of the time uh, when you go out to uh, your local comic book store, this is when they get their new comics. And BJ, you've been reading kind of the standard fare for you, which would be Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. Yeah, I'm reading Spidey. Spidey is, uh, man, oh man, it's like they put out an issue that seems like, oh, oh here's another one. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's great. It's just, it's a Amazing to me that they like put two issues out a month of this. It's just like wow. Um, and Doc Ock has been in it, and uh, it's it involves Ben uh, and uh, Ben Ben Riley is uh, Spidey's clone, and uh, Spider Man got his ass kicked, so Ben Riley's been taken over as Spider Man because he's basically a clone of Peter Parker. Uh, but also uh, he uh, works for an organization called Beyond, and well, they're a shady organization that's doing some shady things. But, you know, they're, hey, no, we've got our own version of Spider-Man. We own the copyright, and we're sending him out to fight crime. I know. Every time you talk about it, I'm just like, ah, oh, corporate Spider-Man, you. <laughs> but uh, this this latest issue, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 87, uh, which we already are into chapter 13. Wow. Yeah, and, yeah, whatever issue that really is. Uh, <laughs> but we're already into chapter 13 of the Beyond Saga. The cool thing is is that there's they have a rotation of, of artists and writers that are contributing to this. So everyone's handing off the story to somebody else and to somebody else. So amazing variety with, of course, a crazy amount of talented writers and artists that you probably know from other stuff uh, that are participating in that. That's been fun. It's been fun seeing Spidey being interpreted interpreted by all these different artists and writers. I really enjoyed that. Um, this latest issue, uh, Spidey's trying to recover. He's trying to get back in the game after being in a coma, having his ass kicked so badly that he's really not himself. And I don't know if we've ever seen Spider-Man extended like this where he's so bad that even like unstrengthed superheroes, like not superpower heroes, are able to do better than him in certain things. And so the Black Cat and Captain America are training him to see if he can get ready. And they they took his uniform and they're like, we're not giving you the suit back until we know you actually can be Spider-Man. Whoa. And uh, he's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. But they keep kicking his ass. I mean, they really. And he's like, wow. And, And she's like, look, Steve Rogers, I get he's a super soldier. 
but I have no superpowers, and I'm kicking your ass. I'm just destroying you. And, oh, and no. He's, he's like, you have that bad luck superpower. She goes, yeah, I know, but I still shouldn't be able to swing on buildings better than you, and I am. And he's like, okay, whatever. Oh, oh, oh damn. And then Steve Rogers is like, yes, I know that I've got you know super soldier serum, but you got that spidey sense in your reflexes. You should be able to be better than me, and you're not. So... Spidey is just trying to fight his way back. In the meanwhile, in the meantime, Ben Riley has found out some bad stuff about the Beyond Corporation. He's pissed. Now they're after his 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 girlfriend and apparently the swanky apartment and the great life they've given him. Well, yeah, you know, as you can expect, mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah. So there you go. That's what's happening in Spider Man. And uh, I have to tell you, one of my favorite things that happened in the Fantastic Four issue thirty nine was on the letters page. It warmed my heart. And Vicki, really? I, I really mm-hmm. thought about you and your dad because I first read a letter and it was from uh, this girl named Kaylee. And she's like, I have just discovered the Fantastic Four. Oh, my God, I love this. I've been reading all the issues. And, man, I really love this one issue where you went back and really tied in all these cool storylines from all the different eras of the Fantastic Four. This is so awesome. Thank you, Marvel. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Then I read this other issue. Hey, man, I just gave my daughter all my old issues of the Fantastic Four. And I let her just And I didn't realize it was from the same people until I got to the end. And at the end, he said... And we have a contest. My daughter and I, whose whose letter will get published and whose won't? And Marvel said, well, congratulations. You both won this contest. (laughs) But I'm like, this is so awesome. It's like the magazine, the the comic that started it all, the whole Marvel universe. And how about she gets exposed to all the OG stuff for the first time. His dad basically just, you know, she found the comics stored away. and, And he's so excited. He's like, I never thought she'd be into it like this. Uh, and so, and I think of you, Vicky, where you and your dad get to like do some sci-fi geeky stuff from old school. Which it's funny because like I discovered comics like on my own, like randomly. My dad didn't really have any of his comic books because he grew up in Mexico and his comics were stored away at my grandma's house, which are no longer there. She ended up tossing them out because I think bugs got in them and wrecked Aww. all the pages. But once my dad started seeing my obsession and we kind of started making the connection between Spider-Man and all these things, like I've grown into a much bigger fan of the universe in the sense of like obsessive fan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But there are certain things my dad and I will do together that we can only do together. Like Lost in Space. We have not had a chance to finish the last two episodes because that is his and our my show. And same with Spider-Man. Whenever there's a new Spider-Man, we have to go see the movie together. Aww. And so I, I I made sure. I'm like, Dad, I'm buying us tickets. Are you good with this time? Let's go. Because we have to go together. And that, uh, is, yeah. that has become our thing. And side note, I don't know if, you, if you've heard, but my dad thought it was the best Spider-Man movie out of all of them. Well, pro tip, bring the Kleenex for those last two Lost in Space episodes. Oh, oh there you go. That's all I'm going to tell you. Well, There's <laughs> epic stuff that happens that I'm like, oh, I'm like, even as I'm thinking about it now, I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I do have some news that won't make you cry, at least not tears of sadness. Oh, uh, yeah? What do you got? When you were saying uh, comic book saga, blah, 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 it reminded me of a comic series I really like called Saga. <laughs> and it has been on hiatus since June of 2018. Mind you, we are now in 2022, and it's back! Nice. It's finally back, issue number 55. It's back because I I have to go back and see. I totally did not know it was back. Oh, my gosh. Well, there it is. 
It came you know back what? on the 26th. I, I have to go back and read Saga at some point. I did not know it was back. <laughs> I've been checking and checking and checking. And, apparently, and this last time, I didn't bother checking. I thought, well, I just checked last time I looked. Well, like oh. I got an email yesterday from like a comicsology or whatever, and I accidentally clicked on it, and I saw the cover. I'm like, I don't recognize this cover. What? Yeah. What? Wow. And hey, comicsology, what about me? How come you, you didn't let me know? When you said like the Spider-Man saga, I'm like, oh my God, I have to tell you guys. <laughs> totally forgot until just now. Moving on from the comic book chat, we do need to talk about the book of Boba Fett which was an interesting episode because it was episode five. We haven't talked about episode six yet um, because I was seeing everywhere. And I mean, Joe and I have talked about the fact that this season has been very uneven. Like it doesn't know its own identity. And even I was talking with my wife who was just like, do we have to watch it? And I'm like, yes, we have to watch it. But people were talking on, on socials about how great of an episode it was and how awkward is that? A little bit of a uh, Larry David uh, curb your enthusiasm moment because the best episode of the Book of Boba Fett has literally no Boba Fett in it. And that even a little bit. And that is exactly what's wrong with the show. I, I mean, look, I, I'm, I, I hate to be mean, but uh, uh, Tamara Morrison is not a good actor. I'm, I, he's just not. He's an okay actor, and he was never meant to be the star of anything, which is why he was a very low character, even in episodes one, two, and three. I, I, I'm just going to say it. I, I, I know that people were like, oh, yeah, we should, it's great that the same actor that played Django Fett is in this, but he's just not a good actor. He's an okay actor, but to do these kind of things, to lead a show that's in a universe as crazy as Star Wars, you need Ewan McGregor. You need Pedro Pascal. You need Harrison Ford. You need really good actors. And Tim and, and Tamara is not. He's yeah. just not a good actor. And he's leading the whole show. And meanwhile, Min you know, Min I never had Min Nawen. Thank you. She's a good actor. Yes. So I mean, uh, you know, and of course, you know, uh, you know, Matt Berry is a fantastic actor as a droid. Uh, and so. Yes, and also some of the decisions they've made with, like, well, let's go get the Power Rangers bike gang. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, so that in, that in itself, you know, is just, I, the, that's the problem. The writing has been, eh, what are you doing? And the lead is not a good lead. It just isn't. And I don't, I don't like to be mean, but that's what's wrong with it. And, and Boba Fett, unfortunately, here's the thing. You know who's a real good Boba Fett? The Mandalorian. <laughs> I mean, that's the, the they yeah. did the Boba Fett show before Boba Fett. That's the that's the problem. Is Boba Fett's mysterious and he's kind of like a gunfighter, and that was already done. This unfortunately, this show didn't realize that, that it shouldn't have been done. It was like, yeah, we love Boba Fett, but love him as a mystery, which a lot of people have said they've taken the mystery out of it. Yeah. And unfortunately, there it's like, oh, he's just a guy. That's kind of sucky. And so this episode was essentially an episode that kind of. Um, like, obviously, it does go back to Tatooine because we end up with uh, Din Jardin going back there to uh, make make a space hot rod, essentially, and uh, kind of tie it in. And eventually, he, I mean, he's being recruited to help out Boba in uh, Boba's fight. So we're going to be seeing him for these last couple of episodes. So that's super cool on Thank that God. end. Thank right? God. But this was really, it was really more of, it seemed like even just like an episodic tease of uh, The Mandalorian Season 3. Because because we get a lot of more a lot more information about what happens after 
uh, season two of The Mandalorian and what uh, uh, what the Mando is going to have to go through and deal with. And it really focuses focuses on him using the dark saber and even what goes around with that because it's the one sword. It's kind of the 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 mythical religious item for Mandalore and even like he who has this sword as long as you've gotten it through combat and has def- and have defeated the person who originally had it it will bring back the glory of Mandalore and also just dealing with the kind of contentious relationship he has with the um, the zealots that he has done with, like the armorer and the only other uh, Mandalorian that is left of that little crew there. And so I, I felt it was a really great episode, but also just what because of what BJ said, because it was about a good Mandalorian. I mean, of all, you know, of everything with that. And so I feel kind of awkward about it because it's like, yeah, it's a good episode, but it wasn't because it wasn't, you know, the thing. Also, big shout out to Bryce Dallas, Ho- Bryce Dallas Howard, who we know, of course, as uh, Gwen Stacy, uh, as well as many other things, Jurassic Park, <laughs> Jurassic World, I should say, uh, Ron, Ron Howard's daughter. She directed yeah. this episode. So, I mean, yeah, uh, Bryce she, is uh, showing that she's got some chops as a director because this is I think this is the first thing I've seen directed by her. She did. I think she did some Mandalorian episodes. Yeah, oh, did she? she? Did. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 Right, well, no wonder this is the best yeah. Boba Fett. Yeah. And even somebody had said at some point it was just like, just give Bryce Dallas Howard her own series, like her own Star no Wars series or movie, and just let her do it, like her own trilogy at this point in time. Yeah, she directed, I think, one episode at each season so far nice. of The Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was, yeah, Chef's Kiss. It was an amazing episode. <laughs> By far the best episode of this series so far. I mean, we've got, I think, two more episodes left because it's a, you know, seven episode limited series. So we'll have to see where it goes with this at this point. But I mean, I'm not really. I, I'm a completionist. We're nerds. We're going to watch it anyway. But this is probably going to be one that I will not revisit anytime soon. Yeah, there was stuff about this that I like. I like, you know, I really like the storyline with the Sand People. I think it's really cool when, you know, you you actually give three dimensions. Because old school storytelling back in, you know, way back in the first Star Wars. Oh, yeah, they're savage, horrible creatures. And in reality, nobody is. So I really, you know, especially if they're mm-hmm. sentient at, at all. And they were even considered more serif, savage, horrible creatures when Anakin went on his temper tantrum and killed them all. <laughs> um, yeah, right. You know, so it's nice that they were able to show that, wait. Not all sand, sand people are like that. And I felt like, okay, that's cool. And I really like that storyline. But again, the worst part of that storyline was Boba. He's just, he's not, his, he, his acting skills are not, he's not charming. He's not interesting. You know, look, like, like the Mandalorian doesn't say much. And he, and, and he speaks softly and carries, you know, a big stick kind of a guy. But there is, the way he delivers his lines, and, and also, big shout out to Helen Sadler, uh, and she plays, of course, the Guildmaster. The way she delivers her lines, those are good actors. And I'm, oh, I'm sorry, Tamara, but you're just, you know, uh, you're just not. You're yeah. just not on their level, and it shows. It's like watching a movie where you go, oh, all right, they got a couple of good actors, and then everybody else is a B actor, and boy, they, uh, okay. Exactly. So, I mean, we'll watch it, and then we'll move on, and we'll get into other series in the Star Wars universe. Uh, and, mo- uh, I, I think it should be, I think Emily Swallow is who I'm thinking of, by the way, because she's, oh. ar- she's the armorer. I, I, oh, okay, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. make sure, I, uh, yeah, Emily's the one I want to give credit to, because, I mean, just, yeah, I mean, really good acting, man. And then 
Tamara. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, moving on from that, let's get a little board game talk because it's been a while. The last time we had you on, BJ, you talked a lot of TV because we had to catch up from the new year. Um, but it's also you've been spending time playing some board games as well. Yes, I have because that's <laughs> what a kid like me does. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, th- there's a company called Board and Dice who are really making some big splashes in the world of board gaming just because of the design. David Turksey, you guys might remember, in Anachrony, and uh, uh, there's a bunch of tea games. Uh, Tenetawanu, uh, Tabanusi, a lot of uh, yeah. <laughs> Tris Magistus, uh, it, there's a, and there's other tea games I can't even pronounce. Um and they uh, they they've been putting out some great games to the point where I'm feeling like man, if you want a really a game with good mechanics and uh, in, in deep in depth to it, which you know I, a lot. I mean, Anachrony is an amazing worker placement game, but it is heavy. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is uh, it is such a great game. And uh, so Board and Dice came out with a new game called Origins: First Builders, and I love this. It's a civilization. It's I mean, even though Josh and I fight about this, it's a worker placement game. But it also really has civ game elements, oh. where you know you're building your civilization, and they literally say, "Hey, leave your mark on history by guiding the most successful civilization to victory." So I mean, there you know, and you're building stuff in the midst of placing your workers. But this. This I love because aliens have visited your planet. And like we thought with Egypt, like, did aliens help the early Egyptians do what they were doing? Uh, (laughs) If you watch the History Channel, yes. Yeah. In this game, that's exactly what's going on. The aliens are here. Their ships are landed. And it's our job as the archons of uh, the leaders of our civilizations to send our people out there to go commune with the aliens and learn how to do cool stuff like how to have a better military, how to be better at politics, how to create great buildings, how to basically study the science of astrology. I mean, all of that is being done in this game via the placement of worker, worker placement dice. And the cool thing about this game is, is that obviously when you send your, your people off to go talk to the aliens... They get smarter when they come back, which means you tick up your die to a higher pip, and that will allow you to do better things in the game, which I love that whole idea. So it's, you know, at its heart, it's worker placement, and uh, it's really good. I... I we weren't sure if we would like it, but we said, "Hey, it's board and dice. We'll give it a shot." And it's available, you know, right now. You can just buy it wherever games are sold. It wasn't a Kickstarter or anything. Oh, nice. And uh, I don't think it was. Uh, and uh, boom, uh, <laughs> Origins First Builders. Let's see. Do we have a price on this? Oh, you can get it for like fifty bucks in a lot of places. I know our buddies at Zulu's Board Game Cafe and Bothell have it, nice. and uh, Bothell, Washington. But you can get it probably wherever you get your games. Your FLGS Origins. First Builders, I recommend this. Nice. That sounds a lot of fun with that one. Now, this is an interesting show because it looks like uh, it's on Netflix, and you said you saw the movie The Silent Sea. Yes. It looks like it's a it's another Korean show or movie that recently- It's actually a TV series. It is a, a TV series. series. Okay, yes. yeah. yeah. And so it's another one. I mean, obviously, this seems like it's going to be a lot different from Squid Game, but uh, uh, it is another Korean series, and you did see it. Yes, and uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know when it comes to how people say names, whether or not uh, it's uh, by Duna, Bay Duna, or Duna Bay. Uh, but Vicky, you'll remember her; she played Soon in Sense Eight. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so wow. she, so she stars in this, and um, unfortunately, uh, she it's 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 Korean based, which means she's going to be speaking in Korean as opposed mm-hmm. to where she spoke in English in Sense Eight. So I'm I'm I I need to really go with the with the with the uh, the dubbed version. Um, I found I, I was told that you know go dubbed because sometimes the subtitles themselves just aren't really good enough 
because they don't pay subtitlers a lot of money. Uh, so I'm watching it, but it's a really fascinating show about uh, a bunch of this crew that's got to go to the moon because of some mysterious craziness that happened at a, a lunar research station. It takes place in the not-so-distant future, and it's got an alien feel to it as far as, like, what the F is going on, you know? Like, everything is scaring you as they turn a corner and stuff, and... Uh, and it's it's well done. A surprise to me, but not a surprise if you watch. And I forget the name of that uh, the space junk movie that was also a Korean movie that was well done, where they were space junkers and they had the little child that was special. That's what uh, like when you when you were mentioning this show, and it literally I think it was like something like a space uh, space junker. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the movie. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> uh, but uh, I am really excited about what we're seeing from Korean uh, movies and television with Squid Game. And with that space junk movie, and now with the Silent Sea, I'm like, you know what? Uh, this is awesome that Netflix is getting this this material that we wouldn't even have access to because you know, like, what we you know, who would care about something where you can't really get, you know, you don't know the language? But they're putting out some great stuff. And we were pretty close. It was Space Sweepers. sweepers. That's it, Space Sweepers. <laughs> yeah, Space Sweepers was good. Of course, Squid Game was a phenomenon, mm-hmm. and the Silent Sea. If you're a sci-fi fan. Really, so far they've got me hooked. I'm 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 a couple of episodes in, and it is uh is it is it Netflix Rev? Is it available on Netflix? I, I always yes forget yes it, is. it was yeah. Silent Sea is available on Netflix. Uh, you know I love this. It's just like whoa! I've been so happy with like the sci-fi product that's shown up that I didn't know anything about on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Yeah, so stoked! And uh, this is a good one. I think that if you're a sci-fi fan and you like Squid Game, you like Space Sweepers, you're gonna like the Silent Sea uh, TV show. Excellent. Well, now it is time for The Geek Sheet with Vicky B. All right, Vicky, what do you got for Wednesday? Wednesday. <laughs> it's comic book day. Oh, yeah. Woo! Uh, one of my favorite things, and I think this is in movies, TV shows, and in comics, is when either it's very obvious or just like a subtle nod when things kind of like inter like mingle together and become like a mini crossover, even if it's just like a nod to something. Okay. And <clears throat> Ranker put out a list of superheroes you didn't realize had interconnected origins. Oh, all right. So did you know that Jessica Jones was actually on the same field trip as Spider-Man when the radioactive spider bit him? Really? What? Mm-hmm. No. So Jessica Jones made her comic mar- her Marvel comic debut in 2001, but the writers portray her character as though she existed for far longer. And one such retcon is the revelation that Jessica and Peter Parker uh, were teammates on the, the new Avengers series. And they actually went to high school together. And not only did Jessica once have a little crush on him, she also happened to be there for the most important day of his life because uh, they kind of meet up. She finds out he's Peter Parker because they're teaming up. And she's like, oh, my God, you're Peter. I had a crush on you. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, Luke Cage is there, her husband. <laughs> that, that's awkward. And he's like, you did? Uh, <laughs> so, but, she was, so she was on the field trip. Yeah. I mean, she's ah. obviously came way later than Spider-Man. It's kind, it's retcon, but that was a kind of cool, it, it, like, intermingling. Yeah, I yeah, bet yeah. I could go back and look at that issue where he got bit and she's see if right I could there. find somebody who looks like a Jessica Jones kind of looking person. Maybe that's exactly what they did. They're like, how can we tie these in together? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Does she have purple hair? No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, did you also know that the radioactive goop that blinded Daredevil also created the Ninja Turtles? For those what? who don't know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were not just cartoons. They were a comic book at one point, although they were much, much darker in the were comics. They not, were they, were oh, they yeah. ever in the Marvel Universe? I don't know. That's well, a, that's an interesting stretch to be able to say that the turtle they were the same thing that created Daredevil created the the turtles. I I know they were 
way back in the day. I think they were on an ind- in an independent magazine. Mm-hmm. So, but- according, like, so when the uh, Ninja Turtles came into the comic book form, they were actually intended the characters to be somewhat of a parody of the era's mainstream comic books, which included Frank Miller's epic Daredevil run. The first telling of the Turtles' origin story included hev- heavy visual hints that the radioactive material that mutated them was the same goop that blinded young Matt Murdock, giving him the powers of Daredevil. Of course, fearing legal action for Marvel Comics, Eastman ah. and Laird could not make the connection any more explicit than that. That, so that makes was, sense. That's like the oh, inside yeah. joke. Like, this is really what it is, but we can't say it is that. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool, actually, that, that Eastman and Laird did. So that's really, yeah, that's yeah, going back yeah. to old school, and they decided to give a nod like that. That's cool. That is actually like that pretty funny. And even like I just I had to look it up to look and then they even said that Splinter's name was a tip of the hat to Matt Murdock's mentor stick. Of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> I really like that. That's cute. I like I, like I said I love like little nods and mm-hmm. easter eggs like that. This one I had no idea. It's that the vision was actually made from the refurbished body of the original Human Torch. Oh, this oh, is the, the torch robot. of the 40s. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. So you actually read this uh, this line or the uh, the storyline? Well, I know I, I I know who I don't know about the vision being made from the torch, but I know who the original human torch was an android. He mm-hmm. wasn't real. Really? It wasn't yeah, yeah. A, I remember that. A human being. Yeah. yeah. And I think I, BJ even brought that has brought that up previously. So that's Captain America I era. I think okay. uh, you had Submariner, the Human Torch, and Captain America hanging out in the forties, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, like this, uh, the article saying that the Human Torch was Marvel's or one of the earliest characters, and even. Pre, uh, predating the name of Marvel Comics, and yeah. he actually was not human, known as Jim Hammond. The OG Torch was an android that fought alongside Captain America and the invaders of World War II. So by the that? by the tor- time Storm and the uh, Fantastic Four came into existence, the old Human Torch was already phased out of print, like the majority of Captain America's war buddies. So he popped back into continuity when the decommissioned body gets taken by Ultron and used as the base upon which to create Vision, everyone's favorite artificial. Avenger. So I, I did not know that. Yeah, neither did I. That's kind of crazy. <laughs> um, another, again, this is like blowing my mind. These are so random. The Hulk randomly got involved in Rocket's origin story. Rocket Raccoon? Yeah. Sorry, okay. I, I thought I said something else. You so, said, no, 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 no. Rocket, you said yes. Rocket. You said Rocket. I was just making sure <laughs> I thought it wasn't I said like... a bad word. I'm no, like, wait. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no gee, yeah, so, so Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy, the Hulk somehow is involved? Yeah, and the image looks like it's like 80s, maybe early 90s kind of artwork. So Rocket, as we know, his origin story has only been kind of touched on in the movies. We don't really know exactly what happened. But Rocket is originally a therapy animal at a cosmic insane asylum run by robots. And when the robots get bored of their job, they perform horrific genetic experiments on the therapy animals so they can take care of the patients instead. And that's how Thor's favorite rabbit was created. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Oddly enough, uh, Rocket's origins are first told in the pages of the Incredible Hulk comic. Through a series of strange circumstances, the Hulk ends up on Rocket's home planet of Halfworld, where he gets involved in the insurrection and learns about all the not-raccoons backstory because he's not a yeah, he's not really a raccoon uh he then <laughs> helps rocket blast off uh for the first time in the beginning of his life as a cosmic critter wow like all right. very old school and I, and I have heard that guardians 3 might explore a little bit more with rocket so it might we might see something maybe not maybe not totally hulk with that but we know we're going to see some other uh avengers type characters especially with thor and maybe some others that uh will be in Guardians. so it'll be interesting to see where this all goes uh, do we have time for one more? One more! On? One more. <clears throat> so, did you know that Captain Marvel used to hang out with the Thing in the Air Force? Uh, 
Really? BJ, no, yes, no. Captain Marvel, no, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think I know about this. This might be from a bunch of issues I haven't read. So before her encounter with the Kree psych magnetron, Danvers was already a hero for working for the U.S. Air Force and NASA. And she teamed up with a number of notable individuals. So while at the Air Force Special Operations Divisions, Danvers ran missions with Nick Fury and Wolverine. And she also shared an adventure with a young pilot named Benjamin Grimm. That's right. He was a pilot, which is why he which is why he was able to help Reed basically kidnap the rocket. (laughs) (laughs) So at that point, he had been uh, he was a few years from traveling into space and transforming into the thing and becoming a founding member of the Fantastic Four. But years down the road, Grimm and Danvers find themselves as teammates on the new Avengers. Do they recognize each other? It might be kind of hard when you're just a big yellow thing at that point. It's like you look kind of familiar, but I can't really place it. That had to be sort of a retcon from somewhere, I bet, because I don't remember that at all from the stories I like the early Fantastic Four. This looks a little bit more new. Yeah. Probably like 2000s. And that kind of, yeah, that would make sense. I mean, because considering how old uh, the Fantastic Four are, and I just don't know how old, uh, especially Carol Danvers is uh, Mm -hmm. Marvel. um, And I don't mind the retcon. I mean, why not? They're both in the Air Force do it and there's different storylines for everything in different multiverses so anything can happen there is a lot more on this list they're really cool so check out our facebook page to check them all out (laughs) and until next time stay nerdy